Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Check out uh, Colossians chapter 1. And starting in verse 3, he says, Paul says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. We always thank God. I'm telling you, there are some things that need to be an always in your life. Uh, Obviously, in the past few weeks, we have realized that some things that we thought were an always in our life always they're actually not always there are some things that can be suspended for a while Um, there are some things that can be canceled there are some things uh, you know the NBA I mean there are some things that can be canceled like we didn't have to wait to watch the Lakers win we just we just you know we like there are some things that can be and you all better better get quarantining yourselves so you're gonna mess up football all right that is not of the Lord Jesus does not want you to so go ye therefore and um, help us out, man, for the sake of... I know there's bigger things at stake than football, but come on. Uh, football is, is pretty, pretty, pretty darn awesome. Um, but man, there are, no matter what season you're in, there are different seasons, and there are things that come, and there are things that go. There are people that come, and people that go. There are things that aren't an always in our lives, but one thing that Paul says is not always in his life, is that I always thank God. And this is, he's writing from prison. <laughs> I'm thankful that we might be quarantined, but we're not. Some of us are in jail. Some of us are actually in prison. But even in jail, he says, I always thank God. Even when he lost all his freedom, he says, I always thank God. Because there's always something to be thankful for. Because God is always working. He's always moving. Paul says, I always thank God. In this season, honestly, I am thanking God for the many things he's doing. I know it's a bummer to not have Easter in, you know, like a regular Easter, and then we usually have a meal afterward, and it's a great family time. But I'm telling you, God is moving, and God is working. I always thank God. I look out, I look out over, 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 over this church, and there's nobody in this room, but when I close my eyes, I can see you. I can see you in your living room. I can see you at your computer. I can see your faces, and I am thanking God for what he is doing. And that's why maybe sometimes you see me when I'm preaching I'm kind of looking around here like you're not actually here but I am I am seeing you in my mind I am always thankful for what God is doing right here and right now I'm thankful for Eddie and Priscilla who are not in this room but they are they are connecting with our children right now they're they they pre-recorded a video yesterday they put a lot of time and effort into video music and dance and all this stuff in order that our kids could have a message that they understand makes sense for them as you all are having a message I'm thankful and yet you know we've never done that before Prior to the quarantine, we've never had a separate online experience for kids. And so God is stretching us and growing us. And I am thankful for a church that is willing to be stretched and is willing to grow and is willing to do more and and try out different things. I'm thankful for the prayer team that is praying before every service still. They're meeting on Zoom and face-to-face they're crying out to God. I'm thankful for for, for the prayer team that came. Manessa and I came and led worship and prayer here on Wednesday nights. We've been doing that. And Peter comes a lot of times and and the prayer team is online right then and they're being piped in and they're praying over people on facebook they're reaching out to people i'm thankful look this 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 is this has been a dream of mine for a long time but but whenever the quarantine started a few weeks ago god laid it on my heart that we needed to pray call and pray with every single family in our database 
And we have 514 people in our database, and so that I don't have time to do that. So I reached out to some folks, and a team of about 20 people came together. And for the past three weeks, every single family has got a phone call with somebody checking in on them, uh, offering prayer for them. Sometimes it's just an ear to listen to. But I'm thankful. Like that's that that's awesome. How many times have 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 you got a call from somebody at church just checking in on you, checking to see how you're doing? I'm not, I'm not talking about people who are nosy. <laughs> we got, yeah, yeah, in church there are a few of those. Uh, but these are, not, these are not those people. I mean, they're really selflessly just wanting to connect and pray with you. We have people who are stuck in their houses. They're, they're living by themselves. They're stuck in their apartments. And it's difficult, but folks are reaching out. Folks are praying. I'm thankful that in this time, even if there, I, I'm always giving thanks. There's always something to give thanks for. So if you're watching on Facebook right now, I'm watching you. Why don't you post a comment giving God thanks right now? Because if you're in the room, I would, I, would, I would tell you to say it. I would tell you to give God thanks, but instead you're not. So we gotta, we, you, you have to type it, all right? So, so if you have something to be thankful for, if you're on our website, if you have something to be thankful for, go ahead and give God thanks right now. Just post a comment, lifting him up, thanking him. Because even in the midst of coronavirus, even in the midst of quarantine, God is still good. God is still moving. I'm, 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 I, my, my attitude is an attitude of gratitude. I am, I am locking that in. That whatever my circumstances may be, I have an unconditional attitude of thanksgiving. Don't let bitterness, don't let disappointment seep into your life. It will poison everything else. It'll poison everything else. I'm telling you, you'll, you'll, end up, you'll end up being upset at people in New Zealand because they got to have Easter first. I'm not naming any names. I'm just saying that that's what will happen when ungratefulness. And so you have to set that aside. And you can change your attitude in a moment, in an instant. You can, you can decide, I'm going to always give thanks to God. There's so much to give thanks for. The, our, our pantry ministry is growing so much. We are feeding over 100 people every Thursday night here at City Chapel. And uh, they're, they're, they're curbside. You didn't know Jesus was curbside, but he is. They're curbside. They're coming in, and we're feeding them, putting bags of food, uh, groceries in their trunk. And who's paying for that? City Chapel is paying for that. You guys are paying for that. You guys are giving toward that. And that's, we're, we're, we're literally doubling our pantry budget for the next month. I mean, we're just getting ready to serve our community, and we already are. And that's awesome. As a pastor, I'm always like, how can we reach more people? How can we tell more people about the love of Jesus? Hey, they're coming to us now. This is amazing. Our Keep Kids Fed ministry. All right, normally we have 164 kids that we feed on the weekends. And then uh, over the summer, we feed a, a much smaller amount every day. But since this started, we've been feeding 90 kids every day. Which means we have drivers, which means we have people delivering, uh, you know, with gloves and stuff, dropping it off in people's front porches so that these kids can stay fed. And how are we doing that? You guys are giving toward that financially. Look, look, if you, if, if you, if you gave before uh, COVID-19, you need to keep giving during COVID-19. Uh, the church needs your, needs your support, but I'm not here asking for support. I'm here to tell you what kind of support you're already giving. And what God is doing with that. And it encourages me. And I know you don't see that. I know you see this little, this little camera of me with blank screens behind me. And, and a little scripture here and there. But I'm telling you, God is moving. 
And by the way, if you volunteered before, which we had a lot of volunteers who came and did the nursery or came and did kid check-in or came and were greeters or, or ushers or, or all of the things, man, we still need you. We need drivers for Keep Kids Fed. We need people to pack bags because we're feeding more kids on a daily basis than we ever have. And it's exciting. And I'm fired up about it. I don't know if you can tell that, but I am always giving thanks. I'm giving thanks for, for, for our kids' workers, uh, Eddie and Priscilla. On Thursdays, they're, they're, they're getting all the kids together on Zoom, and all the kids get to see each other for like hours. They're hanging out with our kids, letting them feel connection and family, and letting them see their friends and show off their toys and all of that. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for youth workers. Uh, youth, the youth ministry, they're calling teens and connecting with them on social media, making sure that they are um, staying connected and that God is still speaking to them. I'm thankful for all the teams that we got going on, our worship team, our prayer team. They're gathering and praying. Uh, we have a team of people that are sharing devotions every day. Like, we've never had that before at City Chapel. This is awesome. I'm about to work myself out of a job. Ne next Sunday, I may have somebody else up here preaching. No, I don't know. Uh, but no, God is like raising, God is activating so many people, worship leaders, prayer warriors, musicians. God is activating so many people. And, and, and out of it, man, we are, we are reaching more people than ever before, and I'm, I'm thankful. So uh, this is a time to give thanks to God. Uh, always, always thanking God. And this is what he says, because, in verse 4, he says, Because we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love you have for all of God's people. So there's two things that Paul is thankful for here. Number one is the faith that they have in Jesus. And number two is the love that they have for people. Man, if that doesn't describe what church ought to be, that's what church ought to be. Um, that City Chapel is a church, and I'm, I'm thankful to say that City Chapel is a church where we have unshakable faith in a God of miracles, that we believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that is at work inside of us. We believe in God. We have unshakable faith in God, but we also have an unquenchable, unstoppable love for people. Uh, that's why on our wall, which you can't see right now, it says people are worth it. On our t-shirts, it says people are worth it. On our bumper stickers, it says people are worth it because we believe that people are a lot of things. That's true. People are unreliable. Oftentimes, people um, apparently are not great at quarantining um, necessarily. People, people are anxious. People are nervous. People are fearful. And guess what? I'm people, so I'm one of you. But at the end of the day, Jesus came and shed his blood for people and rose again on the third day for people because people are worth it. And so we have an unshakable faith in a God of miracles and an unstoppable love, an unconditional love for people who are people. And, and this is what Paul says. I'm so thankful. I'm so giving thanks for your faith in God and your love. And, and then he says, this faith and love, these things together, this is what fires me up. And so I just pray that even as you're watching this right now, that you would feel that God would raise the faith level in your home, that God would raise the faith level, and that God would raise the love level. That God would raise the love level. So many, so many people are lacking both faith and love. But Paul gives us the clue. He says, both of these, if we keep on uh, reading, he says, um, both of these, faith and love, they spring up, he says, from hope. Specifically, the hope stored up for you in heaven. 
and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that was that has come to you uh, I, I want to spend the rest of our time together talking about this hope that springs up uh, faith and love many of us are short on faith and love and you don't get faith and love by saying god give me faith and love you get faith and love faith and love love grows out of something called hope and specifically the hope that is in heaven so hope is a seed hope is a seed that planted when it's planted it springs up or it sprouts or it grows faith and love but what's weird to most seeds would would be planted down in the ground this particular seed though is planted above in heaven so I want to talk to you today, my, the sermon title, which I'm, I'm near, nearing the, I'm the, at the three-quarter mark of the sermon. I'm going to share the title with you. The sermon title today is, is Upside Down Hope. I want to talk to you about Upside Down Hope. Because there is hope which is planted in the ground, but this particular hope is planted above. And so the hope that would be planted in the ground would grow something up, but the hope that is planted above grows something down. Faith and love come down to us from a hope that is planted. And so um, I want to talk to you today about where that hope is planted. It's planted in heaven. And honestly, as soon as, 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 soon as I read that, right, you, you all have an idea what that looks like. I don't know if there's anybody watching today that doesn't have some idea about what heaven looks like. And most of your ideas are completely wrong. Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Uh, but you're wrong. Uh, most of our ideas of heaven are informed from, uh, you know, pop culture. We think it's a, it's a very white, cloudy place where Morgan Freeman lives. Um, it's this very sort of fluffy, or, or maybe it's informed from, you know, pictures in, in, in a storybook that you read one time, or, 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 or etchings on a, on, a, on, a, on a Catholic window. You know, you have these chubby naked babies with harps. I don't know if they're actual babies, like, or if they're like, they're like adult babies. It's so weird. Like, like they have brains like adults. They're power, like, apparently they're powerful, but they're like this tall and chubby and they shoot arrows and, and strum on harps and stuff. And anyway, that's not heaven. Or, or maybe you grew up in church where it was a little more charismatic sort of church, you know, where sometimes uh, scary church maybe. It's not charismatic or necessarily. There's a lot of scary churches out there. And you might have had a grumpy pastor. In some churches, the more grumpy you are, that, that, says, that, that shows how holy you are because you're more like Jesus. Anyway, um, you're, 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 and so me, he, he, might, he might have been getting grumpy that nobody was singing along because Sister, um, I don't know, uh, Dottie was at the, <laughs> Dottie, that, that, that's a classic name. Sister Dottie was at the organ and, uh, and, and you guys are, and, and, and no, people weren't, weren't, weren't getting into it. And so grumpy pastor gets up and he says, well, if you don't, if you don't like this, you're not going to like heaven. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but it's like, because then they say, then they say, because this is all we're going to do. Like, we're going to sing, and then, like, we're going to sing again, and then we're going to sing again, and then we're going to repeat that chorus 1,500 times, and then we're going to sing again, and then we're going to sing again. It's, it's like, it's like so, so some of us, we have a version of heaven that's informed by pop culture. Others get a version of heaven informed from a religion that has lost track of the goodness of God. 
And all they got left is commitment. And you got to stick it out in church. And we're going to have church for the next five hours. And you better not walk out the doors. You know, you better stay, stick around for the third offering. Because <laughs> anyway, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, man, that's not God. And that's not in the Bible, actually. There's not even that much in the Bible about singing in heaven, which is weird that everybody thinks God has a choir. No, he's got like Moses, and Moses has his, his gang of, I don't know, musicians who are putting together like one song. And it's literally a 30-second song. There's not even a cool bridge where it builds and, you know, we like, you know, just kind of have our rock guitar solo. It's not even that. It's just it's like, like there's not a lot of singing in Scripture when it comes to heaven. Now, certainly there will be some singing, but, but God is not all about singing. I don't know where we got this idea that God like created Adam and Eve and was like, okay, so um, here's a guitar and um, here's a piano. Every Sunday, I want you to sing to me. This is a thing. No, they didn't do that. And I'm not against singing. I like singing. I think it's, it's a part of corporate worship. But come on, there is, there is a definite difference uh, between uh, uh, heaven and church. Heaven is not one long church service. Hey, it says the broadcast is unavailable. Uh-oh. So there's a, this is on our website, tech team, if you want to check this out. I'm, 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 over, here looking at the, I'm over here looking at the feed. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, see, like this, that's, that's not heaven either. One big black screen. That's not, that's not heaven. It's not this long church service. It's not a never-ending Hillsong concert. So, so what, what happens is many of us have a very wrong version of heaven. And because we have a, a misinformed version of heaven, we often have a misinformed version of who God is. We, we have lost track of the sheer goodness of God. And, and, and many of us are so afraid to die, I think in part because, honestly, you know, where are we going? It's like we go from being quarantined in our house to being quarantined in a white box with, 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 with grumpy pastor and a worship team that just keeps singing. They never let you sit down. <laughs> they never like, they never say you may be seated. Oh, we're going to sing that one for the thousandth time. Let's do, let's do Amazing Grace again. It's, this this is a, this is a weird version, and and honestly, it's reflective. I think of our version ultimately of God. It's insulting to God. Our version of heaven is insulting to God, and it also doesn't add up with Scripture, and it also doesn't add up with some of these near death experiences that people have. Uh, they don't just go to a boring place. They don't go to a foggy mystical place. They go to very real uh, places. Uh, there's, there's a book by a pastor here in Austin. His name's John Burke, and he wrote a book called Imagine Heaven, where he explored over a thousand different uh, near-death experiences. This is one of the things that brought him to faith, actually. He, he, he didn't really believe in God, um, even though his, his parents did, but he had gone to a place in his life where he questioned everything, and, and his dad handed him a book back in the 1980s called um, uh, uh, Life After Life, and it was one of the first books uh, written on near-death experiences, looking at, because now, like, nowadays in modern culture, there's a lot of resuscitation that's happening, so people are dying, when I say near-death, I don't mean like they almost got in a car accident, I mean they actually did get a car accident, and they coded, I mean, they, they didn't have a heartbeat for like, some of them 30 minutes, some 60 or even 90 minutes. 
And then they come back and they start talking about things that they saw. And uh, so you're going to see some of these stories and hear some of these stories. It's really incredible. But that was one of the things that brought uh, Pastor John to faith. He, he, he realized that some of this was pretty undeniable, that there must be something more than this life. And here on Resurrection Sunday, I can tell you there is something more than this life. And that this is where your hope can be planted. When your hope is planted there, you can traverse difficulty here. When your hope is planted there, there's something that will grow out of there called faith and love. And that growth of faith and love will come down to you. It'll start to fill your life. It'll start to fill your heart. So many people as a pastor, people tell me, Pastor, I just, I just wish I had more faith. I just don't have enough faith. I just, I, just, I just don't know if I believe in God, one, if he exists or not. And two, if he does exist, I don't really know if he loves me or where he is or where he was at diff- these different times in my life. I don't really know. And so they, so they have a hard time getting faith. And so they say, Pastor, pray for me that I receive faith. No, no, no. I, if I could just give you hope, if I could just give you a seed of hope, just a little bit of hope today, in a place called heaven, a place that God has prepared for every one of us. He wants every one of us in heaven. He has prepared a way for all of us to be in this place. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, the invitation is to you and to me, to all of us. And if you understood how good God was, you understood everything he had planned for us. We're going to be going over how good he is over the next few weeks, and we're going to talk about heaven. We're going to deal with uh, certain questions, right? Like, 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 will there be pets in heaven? Will my pets be in heaven? Um, it may surprise you what my answer is to that. Um, we're going to go over other questions like, will we be married in heaven? Um, you know, will, will there be sex in heaven? Uh, but I can't talk about that because it's Easter. That'll be next week. Um, and, uh, and it may surprise you because, because look, like, like I want to know will there be football in heaven? You know what I'm saying? Like, will there be competition? Will there be sport? Will there be... Because, because these are things that really, you know, occupy a lot of our time here on earth. And these are all things that God created. So anyway, I don't want to give it away, but I'm telling you, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of Lights. And so he has created a place for us that he says is the 2.0. It's the next level. It's, it's, it's so much better. Um, and and so, so we're going to be looking at that. Next week, we're specifically going to look at relationships. Relationships um, on earth and the relationships in heaven and how will they be different? How will they continue? What will that look like? By the way, um, I, I do have a scripture for you where Jesus shares a little bit um, about that. Uh, let's see, where is that passage? Uh, is, it, is it on the screen? Because I, I can't really see the screen. Jesus, Jesus says that, that you ought not to uh, spend your life for this time, for this season, but rather you ought to invest your money, invest your time, invest your resources in people. He says, invest, invest in making friends, is what he says. And then he says, those friends will welcome you to an eternal home. Because you're going to find that there are some, there's only two things that are eternal. Only two things that will be in heaven. One, God. And two, people. Which is why Paul says, I'm so fired up about your faith in God and your love for people. Because if we, if we invest in God and we invest in people, those are the things that will last. And so we're going to talk about relationships next week. After that, we're going to talk about this beautiful place and, 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 and what we believe it's going to look like, what Scripture talks about, and what some of these near-death experiences have experienced. We're going to talk about seeing your life flash before your eyes. Um, Clyde has a story about that he's going to share with us. Um, and, and then, and then at, finally, at the last week, we're going to talk about... Um, um, hell. 
and human suffering, both of those, because both of those are connected, actually. They're both there for the same reason. Hell and human suffering. Is there a hell? Because the truth is that there is a beautiful place, um, and, uh, and it's glorious, and God's created this beautiful place for us. It's called heaven. And it's kind of like Mount Rushmore. So the front of Mount Rushmore, if you, if you could uh, switch to that so they, so they can see that, that slide of the front of Mount Rushmore, that's, it's amazing. It's pretty awesome. It's, it's awesome. But every, every great Mount Rushmore also has a backside to Mount Rushmore. So if we could just see that, that's, uh, <laughs> that's also... So there is heaven, and there is beauty, and there's also a backside to it. And so we're going to be talking about the backside to that here in a few weeks. But I really hope that you'll join us uh, if the, the, the screen can come, come, come back here. I want to jump into... Um, there's a story from Dr. Mary Neal. And we're going to start her story uh, this week, and then we're going to finish, uh, going to carry on her story next week. She's going to share more about relationships that she um, experienced in this place. But, but just, just for you to get a taste and to hear a little bit um, from Dr. Mary, if we could switch that over to the screen and um, check this out. Dr. Mary Neal is an orthopedic surgeon who shares her medical practice and her love for outdoor adventure with her husband, Bill. In 1999, they planned an adventure that took Mary on a spiritual journey few have taken and returned to talk about. My husband and I really enjoy kayaking. We enjoy traveling. We speak Spanish. We've traveled internationally a number of times. And so for my husband's birthday, I said, okay, this is the year we're, we're going to do it. So we went to Chile for a vacation to kayak. After a week of kayaking, Bill sat out the final day with a sore back. Mary and the rest of their group kayaked through a treacherous stretch of the river. These are drops of 10 to 15 feet, 20 feet maybe, which for an experienced kayaker is not a crazy thing. I went over the main drop and as I crested over the drop, I could see the tremendous turbulence and tremendous volume. And as I hit the bottom of the drop, the boat became pinned. I and my boat were immediately and completely submerged. I was absolutely pressed to the front deck of the boat. And I couldn't move my arms even back far enough to reach my spray skirt, let alone push myself out. I very sincerely asked that God's will be done. And I meant it. After several minutes of searching, the group leaders realized Mary was trapped under the falls. They came out on the rocks and they kept trying to get to the boat, but the force and the volume of the water was such that they just kept being flushed through. I mean, they just couldn't get to me. At one point, they sort of recognized that it was really turning into body recovery, uh, not so much of a rescue. I know I've been underwater too long to be alive, yet I feel more alive than I've ever felt. And this is more real than anything I've ever experienced. Yeah, we're going to hear more from, from Mary here in, uh, in, in, in the coming weeks. But uh, in, in John's book, he talks about how in 1982, there was a, a Gallup poll that was uh, that was published, and uh, it, it stated that, it reported that 8 million people have had near-death episodes, according to the New York Times. In the 40 years 
um, since Moody, back in uh, 92, in the 40 years since Moody coined the term near-death experience, studies in the United States and Germany suggest approximately 4.2% of the population has reported a near-death experience. 4.2%, that's one out of every 25 people, or nearly 13 million Americans. And this is part of the research that, that began to get, catch people's attention. There was uh, a report about this published in the prestigious uh, Journal of American Medical Association, or JAMA. And uh, Dr. Jeffrey Long read that, and he was very skeptical. He felt like uh, people were, you know, maybe having some kind of um, brain echo or some kind of um, death hormones that was creeping into their brain. And he, he, he was very skeptical until one night he was uh, at dinner with a friend and he began to ask her and probe about her experience. Uh, he and his wife went out to dinner with another couple and during dinner their, their friend Sheila mentioned having severe allergies, so severe that she once had an allergic reaction during surgery and coded. Her heart stopped beating. So Dr. Long decided to ask her, and probe a little bit. He, he asked if Sheila, if anything had happened to her when she coded on the table. And she responded immediately and emphatically, yes. And it was then that Dr. Long heard his first in-person near-death experience story. Uh, immediately uh, after her heart stopped, uh, she, Sheila quietly explained what happened. She said, I found myself at ceiling level. I could see the EKG machine I was, I was hooked to. The ERG was flatlined. The doctors and nurses were frantically trying to bring me back to life. The scene below me was a near panic situation. In contrast to the chaos below, I felt a profound sense of peace. I was completely free of any pain. My consciousness drifted out of the operating room and moved into a nursing station. And I immediately recognized that this was the nursing station on the floor where I had been prior to my surgery. Uh, from my, young, my, my vantage point there near the ceiling, I saw nurses bustling about performing their, their daily duties. After I watched the nurses for a while, I, 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 uh, a, a tunnel opened up. Many people talk about this, some kind of uh, tunnel or cave or uh, a passageway, and I was drawn into the tunnel. I passed through the tunnel and became aware of a bright light at the end of the tunnel, and I felt peaceful. After I passed through the tunnel, I found myself in an area of beautiful mystical light. In front of me were several of my beloved relatives who had previously died, and it was a joyful reunion we embraced. I found myself with mystical being of overwhelming love and compassion. <laughs> a mystical being of overwhelming love and compassion. I wonder, I wonder who that might be. Do you want to go back, he asked. I responded, I don't know, which was just like my old indecisive self at the time. Sheila sensed the choice to return was hers and it was a most difficult decision. I was in a realm of overwhelming love. In this realm, I knew I was truly home. Sheila goes on to talk about how after she woke up, she shared her experience with the nurse. The nurse said it was probably the devil. Um, it's so interesting how, how people who claim to believe in the afterlife, when they hear stories from people, they immediately think it's the devil or something evil. That Oh yeah, yeah, the devil's always radiating love and peace and joy. <laughs> what? Anyway, uh, she, she quickly learned not to tell anybody. She quickly learned to be quiet about it because people were skeptical, felt like she was making it up, felt like it was actually an evil experience. Uh, Dr. Long re recalls vividly that when Sheila finished her story, there was silence all around the table. I remember thinking these experiences, he said, could change my views about life, death, and God in the world we live in. 
Since then, Dr. Long has collected and scientifically studied thousands of accounts from around the world. So one of the things they study is, is the, the, the facts, right? Um, Sheila says she was raised to ceiling level and she saw things happening. And so the, one of the questions is, did she see anything that uh, she didn't see in a previous ER movie? Or is she just imagining something? Um, and in many cases, they, they point out specific details, like uh, like 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 the fact that that that, that the doctor didn't have any uh, didn't have any covers on his shoes when he was performing performing open heart surgery. Things that they could not have known. Um, one guy uh, before when, when when he had coded they they uh, just before he coded they they took out his dentures and put it in the crash cart next to him. Because uh, they had to stick a, a tube down his throat, and and when he came back a few days later, uh, you know, came back to consciousness, uh, he talked about they 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 couldn't find his dentures, and he said, "Well, I know where my dentures are. They're in the crash cart, uh, the, the the red crash cart that was next to my bed." And it's it's incredible how scientifically they they're able to say things and tell things and give information that they otherwise wouldn't have known. In fact, Mary, who we're going to hear her story more later, um, when she was. Apparently in this dimension, whether you want to call it heaven or what, I don't know. When she was in that place, um, these angels or these beings told her that her oldest son was going to die before her. He was going to come to that place before her. And, and there's no way she could have known that when she came back. And so it's so interesting, some of the things that, that they're coming out and saying. Dr. Long, uh, he's been collecting these things. And he, he says, finally, he says, NDEs, or near-death experiences, to him provide such powerful scientific evidence that it is reasonable to accept, accept the existence of an afterlife. Obviously, we, you ought to be skeptical and not just believe every, every little thing, everything somebody says. I think you ought to test it to, with Scripture, test it uh, with, with common sense and logic. Does this line up? Um, text, test it scientifically. But if it does, if it meets all those criteria, then by all means, I, I, I believe that there is an afterlife. That Jesus, on the day he was resurrected, he came back from the dead in a glorified and a brand new body. And he said to Mary, who met him, the first, the first person to see him, he said to her, he said, don't touch me, I haven't ascended to my father. He said, I'm about to ascend to my father. And he said, I'm about to ascend to my father and your father. My God and your God. And then he said, go tell my brothers in Jerusalem to wait for me. And so it's so interesting to me that God, that Jesus himself calls himself our brother. He says, he says that his father is, it can be our father. And in that moment, he's, he's opening up a way for us to experience the same thing that he's experienced, which is ultimate life after death, which is the resurrection. We're going to talk about that more uh, in the coming weeks. But what I want to leave you with today is that there is hope in this life, but the hope is not in this life. There is hope for this life, but that hope must be planted in something higher, something greater, something beyond, the hope of heaven. The reason why I can have hope in the middle of a COVID crisis is because, honestly, at the end of the day, COVID can't do anything to me. Because this is not me. This is part of me, but this is not the most real me. And, and you know this to be true. You know that the suit doesn't make the man. And not only the suit, but the smile. The smile doesn't mean there's joy. You know, the, the outside, this is not even the real me. And that's one thing that they talk about a lot in these near-death experiences. They say, I stepped into a realm that was more real. 
Hebrews, uh, I think it's chapter 5, he talks about that. He says, he says the things of this earth, the, the worship of this earth, the, the kind of services and worship performances that are happening on this earth, it's good, but it's just a shadow of something that is more real. And so there is something more real. Something more real than this. There's something more honest than this. The real me is, is beneath this skin. The real me is inside. It's the thing that wants to say something but then doesn't. That's the real me. It's, it comes out occasionally, but, we, we're, but we're really good at reining it in and dressing it up and making it look more presentable. But the truth is that God has plans for the real us and he has deep love for the real us. No matter who you are, there is a hope that has been laid up in heaven. And you can choose to plant your hope in heaven. You can choose to grab a hold of the hope that's been laid up for you in heaven. And out of that hope will grow faith and love. I mean, the kind of faith that even when things aren't going the way that you thought they would, you still have peace. The kind of faith that says, even, even, even if I die, I know where I'm going. So I have peace. The kind of faith that believes that God is good even when it may not look like he is. That kind of faith can grow out of this kind of hope. And then the love, man. Love for people. There's, there's a great shortage of love for people. Because the opposite of love is selfishness. And my goodness, you all are taking all of my toilet paper. So I'm just saying, can somebody leave a roll every once in a while? It's so interesting. The opposite of love is selfishness. And there's so much selfishness going on. <laughs> just kidding. I have enough toilet paper. It's all good. I live on a farm, so it's fine. But the truth is, our marriages need a lot less selfishness. The kind of love I'm talking about is the kind of love that would lay down its life for somebody else. And I'm not talking about the kind of love that, you know, lasts for the night in marriage, although that's, that's a good love. Um, and we need to keep that love. We need to keep that going. But the truth is, that doesn't make a family. It may make children, but it doesn't build a home and a family. The kind of love that is a place that is secure for your kids to grow up in is the kind of love where I look at my, my wife and my wife looks at me and I am ready to lay down my life for her and she's ready to lay down her life for me, that I am interested in supporting her selflessly, that I'm interested in, in making sure that she has everything she needs and she's interested in making sure I have everything I need. That's the kind of love I'm talking about. And that love doesn't come from stuff planted down here. That love comes from a hope which is planted in heaven. When we plant our love in Jesus, or plant our hope in Jesus, our hope in heaven, then out of that hope springs this, this new kind of love that you cannot manufacture on your own. Parents, man, we need to have this kind of love for our kids, the kind of love that doesn't just expect them to be this and to be that, the kind of love that doesn't push them to do stuff we couldn't do and try to live through them, the kind of love that actually is selfless, the kind of love that builds them up instead of tearing them down, the kind of love that sees the potential inside of them when nobody else sees it and calls it forth and builds it up and, and it sows into that, the kind of love. And our kids need this kind of love. Not the kind of love that's, that's, that's angry and jealous and bitter. Not the kind of love that's in competition with, 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 with their brothers and sisters, but the kind of love that says, I'm not competing with you. I am, I am with you in this. We need that kind of love, but it, you can't manufacture it. 
You can't, you can't, there's no special spell. It grows. It grows slowly at first, but it grows. It grows out of hope, which is planted above. That hope is Jesus. And because Jesus rose from the dead, we can have hope for an eternal life. We can have hope for heaven. And because of what scripture tells us about the place that he has gone to prepare for us, we can have hope. And so I want to offer that hope to you today. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't even know where you are in the universe, actually. (laughs) Uh, Where you are on planet Earth, I'm not sure. Wherever you're watching from, I want to offer you the hope of heaven. Comes first and foremost by placing your hope in Jesus, which means you have to take it off of yourself. You have to take it off of your boyfriend or girlfriend. You have to take it off of your, 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 your bank account. You have to take it off of stuff down here and you have to place it up there. So would you just close your eyes with me for just a minute? Let's pray together. I want to lead you in a prayer of transferring hope and planting hope. Jesus, Jesus, we come before the Father in your name. That's the only reason we can come before the Father. And that's the only reason we can call your Father our Father. So we come before our Father, the one who is ready to rebirth us, to be born again. That's what it means to be born again, to be born a second time, to have a new Father, a new DNA. And so, Lord, we come before you because we want to be born again. We want to be, we want a new Father. We want a Father, the earthly Father was good, But Lord, we need something heavenly. We need something more. We want to put our hope in heaven and in the joy and in the peace and in the goodness and in the restoration and in the relationships and in the love that's there. We want to place our hope up there in heaven and plant it there and allow it to grow faith and love inside of us. So we come before you first we repent which means to turn away or to change our belief system and so we change our belief system we're going to we stop believing that things of this earth can satisfy we stop believing that our own righteousness can fix it we stop believing that 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 some that the next relationship or the next thing or the next church service or the next or after this covid thing is done we stop believing that it has anything to do with down here we simply turn our eyes to jesus He is able to do what we cannot do. He is able to forgive so much more than we can. We can't even forgive ourselves, yet he can forgive us because he knows the real us. He's not looking on the outside. He's not looking on skin level. He's looking at our heart, and he loves us at heart level. He knows how hurt you are. He knows how wounded you are. He knows how broken. So, Lord, we come before you, and we confess that we're broken, that we're lost, and that we need you, that we put our faith in you to save us, to forgive us, but also to purify us and to begin growing faith and love inside of us. We don't put any more pressure on us than you put on us. Simply to believe and to follow. That's all you ask. We don't have to be fully mature yet. We just need to believe and follow. So Lord, we plant our hope in heaven in the person of Jesus. Lord, I pray right now, just as people are praying their own words and as they're bowing their own heads, Lord, that you would fill their space just as your presence is moving in this place and has been all morning. 
thank you that you're not quarantined. You're not limited. You're, you're moving throughout the entire earth, seeking somebody whose heart is ready to plant hope, is ready to, to grab a hold of the hope that is laid up for them in heaven. It's perfect toward you. Perfect toward you, meaning not perfect, but perfect toward you, perfectly facing you. You're looking throughout the entire world for that. Lord, may you find it here. May you grow stuff here. Faith and love. May faith and love grow even in the middle of difficulty. That's the thing. That's the thing about a seed. You can, you can throw it in the ground and bury it and cover it with all kinds of dirt. But you haven't killed it. You've just planted it. Jesus himself was stuck in a tomb for three days and they thought they had, they thought they had quarantined him. They thought they had isolated him. They thought they had buried him in order to keep him out. And yet Jesus said about his own body, he said, he said, he said if a grain of wheat, if a seed, it, 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 it remains by itself until it is planted. But when it's planted, when it's covered up with dirt, then something begins to happen and it produces fruit. So Jesus was planted into the ground and he didn't stay there because he was a seed his body was a seed which was planted and it became it began producing fruit so that the very first thing he said was to mary he said look i go to my father and your father what's he doing he's making fruit he's making children of god right off the bat he begins producing fruit and he's still producing fruit in our lives today Still stories of, of faith and love are coming out of difficult situations. Like Carol, for instance, who, who is uh, quarantined. And uh, she is by herself, but she's sharing so many wonderful stories of how her faith is stronger than ever. And her love for other people, and especially for the Keep Kids Fed Kids, is stronger than ever. And God does that. He does it all the time. He does it with my life. In my darkest times, in my hardest times, when hope was most buried and most under all kinds of dirt, it wasn't just, it wasn't buried, it was planted. And something was growing out of that difficulty. Something was growing out of the time when our house was flooded. Something was growing out of times of sickness. Something was growing out of times of, of poverty. Something was growing out of times when I was fired. My, the only job I was ever fired by. But God was growing something inside of me it's growing faith and love so Lord do it do it do it do it all over this region do it all over this country do it all over may this may this COVID-19 crisis be a seed that is planted in the ground and it grows up and springs forth many children of God that many people turn to you through this that many people come back to you because of this that many people see you in action through your church in the midst of this Lord may this thing be a seed may COVID be a seed country be a seed buried underneath the ground and may may we get more stronger in unity because of this may we put aside our ridiculous politics because of this may we actually try to help the 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 less fortunate because of this may we actually try to do stuff together because of this it be less bickering less fighting less 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 arguing less self because of use this moment as a seed to produce great fruit in jesus name I'm praying that this is a catalyst. I'm praying this is a, a seed moment for you. Uh, so many are joining us, even for the first time in a long time or the first time ever. You've never come to church here, and yet you're here, and we're so glad that you're here. We believe it's a catalyst. That's why regret is straight from Satan, because it's all about stuff that's in the past. God is interested in your future, your present and your future. 
He has glorious plans for you. And so I hope you'll stick around over the next few weeks uh, and uh, join us uh, as we jump into some of these near-death experience stories. Um, one of the best things